everybody out there in Bourbon Real Talk land. Randy Sullivan coming to you with a very special episode from the Jack Daniels facility. I'm here with Lexi Phillips and she is the assistant distiller and we're gonna teach you about the Lincoln County process. So buckle up, because we've got some good information. So Lexi, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. All right, and listen to that lovely Tennessee accent. <laughs> this is as pure as it gets, people. The closer you get to Lynchburg, the more the accents start to sound like that. And it's, it's, it's amazing, it's lovely. All right, uh, so how long have you been with Jack Daniels? So I've been with Jack since about 2014. Mm -hmm. I came in at the bottom working in bottling part-time and quality control. Mm -hmm. And that's where I really kind of got to see everything that went into getting our whiskey from the barrel to the bottle and around the world. Worked with several past distillers and that's really kind of what started my journey to the still house. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So do you have any chemical engineering background or anything or was it all learning, learning on the job? Learning on the job, my uh, background at MTSU uh, was actually ag business. Oh, okay. So I knew about the grains and all that. Well, that's just, a good start. That's it. Yeah. That's it. So. That's, that's amazing. So when it comes to Jack Daniels, the big question that everybody has is, is Jack Daniels bourbon? <laughs> that's the big question. And uh, are you allowed to answer uh, that question when asked? Oh, of course. Okay, all right. Because, I mean, we do, we follow all the rules, all the laws to be called a bourbon. Right. You know, the distilled below 160 proof from a mash of at least 51% corn, going into a new charred oak barrel, below 125 proof, and bottled greater than 80 proof. Mm -hmm. We follow all those laws. Right. But we also have one more. Of course, to be made in Tennessee, and then it also has to be subjected to the Lincoln County process. And that's what we're gonna talk about here today. And so let's start off with a general explanation of what the Lincoln County process is. Right, a very simplified way of saying it is that our whiskey, once we distill it to 140 proof, mm -hmm. we are gonna filter that through 10 feet of sugar maple charcoal before it goes into the barrel. Gotcha. So it's going in clear as pretty much all the laws of bourbon coming out still crystal clear and now it's a Tennessee whiskey. So for those that are confused about this, so, so you guys are going to take charcoal, okay, and there's, there's basically charcoal on the inside of the maturation barrel because of the charring process. Exactly. Right? Um, so a lot of people believe that because you're filtering the distillate through charcoal, that this is some sort of a, a flash aging process. Um, is that the case? Definitely not. No. So this process starts as we get sugar maple logs cut and stacked, and then here on site, we burn those to 100% charred wood. Mm -hmm. There is no unburned wood in there. Mm -hmm. The actual unburned wood is where you're getting your flavors and your what would be your aging. Yeah, all of that stuff. Yes. So this is a filtration process. Think like your Brita filter at home. Mm -hmm. It doesn't add flavor, it doesn't add color. It removes flavors, it removes things from your water. Right. And that's pretty much what we're doing, the same thing here in one of our vats. Right, right. So the thing that makes Jack Daniels distinctly different from most Kentucky bourbons is this charcoal filtration process, lovingly referred to as the Lincoln County process. 
Um, is that a fair statement? That's yes. And the fact that it's made in Tennessee and, and, of course, and, Tennessee. and not in a different state. Yeah. Uh, you can make bourbon in any state in the United States. Exactly. And there's an argument to be made that it can be made in uh, provinces like Guam or uh, Puerto Rico, but uh, that remains to be seen. I don't think anyone's tested that theory yet. Uh, but uh, most people believe that bourbon has to be made in Kentucky, um, and, which is legally not true. Can um, be made all over. It can be the made US. all over, but it does um, have to come from the U.S. But it does have to come from the U.S. and and then for it to be a Tennessee whiskey, um, my understanding is that the law was passed in 2013 yep. in the state of Tennessee that defined what that Appalachian control was basically, right? Uh, so people are familiar with Appalachian control of you know it can't be called a champagne unless it's made in the Champagne, champagne region France. of France, right? And you can follow all those processes in California, but it's a sparkling wine, it's not a champagne. Yeah. They made those rules for Tennessee whiskey in the state of Tennessee. From a legal standpoint, those rules only apply to whiskeys being sold in Tennessee, except for reciprocity laws between the separate states, that they're gonna honor the other laws. And so um, my understanding, and I'd love for you to inform me about this if you know, is that when they made that law, they made a provision that you actually could have like 2.5% adulteration and still call it a Tennessee whiskey. And I, I have been told that it is possible to make a Tennessee whiskey that would not qualify as bourbon, um, but that Jack Daniels does not have any adulteration of the product uh, from beginning to end, and therefore it still could be called a bourbon. Do you know anything about that? I can't speak to that. I can't say that I actually read that mm -hmm. in the law. Or mm -hmm. I can't speak to what other people do. Mm -hmm. But I know that we have no other adulteration here. That's right. It is just going through the charcoal. So when you look at the federal laws, the federal laws say that for it to be a bourbon, there can't be any, you know, additives. Right. And so there's actually nothing in the regulations, in the in the uh, standards of identity, that talk about uh, processes that are subtractive by nature. Okay. And almost all whiskey that's being sold is filtered, but usually not before it goes into the barrel. Yes. And so for that reason, this charcoal filtering process is by its nature subtractive and it's viewed by the TTB as no different than, you know, any other. Since it happens before the maturation. But right. right. Uh, but, but Jack Daniels has done a ton of work to, and, and I don't remember what year this started, but I mean, you guys had to petition the TTB to not put the word bourbon on your, on your label at some point in the past. And there's a famous story about y'all selling or sending distillate for them to taste that was pre exactly. and post this Lincoln County process. And yes. that was enough to convince them. That there is such a stark difference that we can difference. have our own name of it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's kind of the backstory behind the Lincoln County process. It, it, was it originally, that process originally made popular in Lincoln County? Well, it was. You know, back in the day, we were actually part of Lincoln County before county boundaries changed. Right. You know, Moore County was actually pulled from a little bit of surrounding counties, the Lincoln, Bedford, Coffee, and Franklin County. So we were kind of the ones that definitely made the process a little uh more well-known, mm -hmm. gave it the name. Mm -hmm. But, you know, charcoal purification, it's been around for thousands of years. Sure. You know, this isn't something that we actually came up with. Mm -hmm. You know, in the Jack's day, there was over a dozen distilleries here around this area, 
that we're still using the same same thing. Mm -hmm. So um, the Lincoln County thing is just that's because where we were at at the time, still in the same place, just counties have changed. Sure. Yeah. And and people may not realize this, but when even before states were formed, there were large areas that were designated as counties that later got broken up. There were exactly. some counties that were larger than whole states, right? Yeah. And then and then they end up breaking it up. And so we're no longer in Lincoln County, but that's where the name comes from. And so we start off, so sugar maple um, is a, a tree that we don't make barrels out of. We don't. Um, we make barrels out of oak. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the regulations say that the maturation process for it to be considered a bourbon, it has to be in a new charred oak container, not sugar maple container. Right. And so sugar maple's uh, a, a little bit uh, closed grain compared to a lot of other woods. I used to build cabinets. Oh, okay. And um, and so it, it's a little bit different of nature. It's probably got different chemical compounds in it, but those are, are probably being removed by the process of creating uh, a, a charcoal. So one of the things I found interesting about Jack Daniels is that you guys make your own charcoal here. Yeah. And so when you do the tour here, you drive around and you see these pallets. And if I remember correctly, is it two by two inches by four feet? It is, okay. yep. And they're these long sticks of wood, yep. right? And they're pretty light in color because sugar, sugar maple's a, a pretty light wood. And you have them stacked up, Yep. right? Crossways on each other, kind of like a lattice or almost a Jenga tower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and those are around seven feet tall. Mm -hmm. We burn four of those at one time and they light that with, of course, nothing else other than our 140 proof whiskey straight off the steel where there's no other flavors or anything else added to it. Right. And um, Darren and Tracy, our Rickyard guys, they have done this for 17 and 18 years. Wow. So you could definitely say they are professional yeah. charcoal makers. So imagine a vena hood like you have over your, your cooktop at home, mm -hmm. but make it big enough that you could put four <laughs> pallets that were seven feet high underneath it, and yeah. that's what they, is that fair? Is exactly, that, yeah. yeah, no, that's it. And then, and then they've got, last time I was here, they had, uh, you know, the thing that you spray your weeds with? Uh, they had one of those filled with, That's with it. whiskey for destruction. <laughs> yeah, whiskey for destruction. 140 proof straight off the still, and they spray that wood, and that's the accelerant that they use. And, yep. of course, all that burns off. But if it didn't, it'd just be more whiskey, right? Exactly. Um, so nothing to adulterate the flavor there. Um, and then they have a water hose that they, they use. Do. They do. They, it burns for around an hour and a half to two hours, mm -hmm. and it gets up to like 1,500 degrees. Wow. So they monitor this um, just from their watchful eyes and the hoses to uh, get it down to where it's 100% charred wood. That's really the art of it, because if they let it burn too long, it's too hot, it's ash. Mm -hmm. It's not doing anything for us. Right. And, you know, we want it to be, like I said, this is all charred wood. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to get down to uniform pieces that are maybe around the size of your pinky nail. So what that's doing is removing all the uncharred wood mm -hmm. and then when they finally do finish the burn, they hose it all down, to watch them scoop it up and soak it all back down, they're throwing out the bigger pieces for the next burn. Okay. Just to where if there's any big that are left over, and then that will actually go through a, um, the pieces that we're using is gonna go through a grinder just to get that surface area mm -hmm. down to a more uniform thing to where we can use it. Sorry, Bourbon Real Talk listener. Randy Sullivan coming in for a quick shameless merch plug. If you wanna support this channel, you can do so. 
You don't have to, but if you want to, you can. We do not have a Patreon like some of my counterparts, no disrespect, but I don't like to ask you guys directly for money. And I also don't allow any sponsors of the show because I want to be independent to share my opinion with you without anybody putting any pressure on me. So if you would like to get some merch, here's some of the things we have to offer. We have Bourbon Real Talk lanyards. So if you check this out, if you've ever been to a bottle share before, you need to communicate with people, shake hands, do whatever, pick up another bottle, get another pour, this thing is clutch. Secondly, we have the Bourbon Real Talk official Glen glass. This is a tulip-shaped glass that's going to help you nose and really enjoy the characteristics of your whiskey. Next up, we have the Wee tasting glass. So this is roughly half the size of a full-size glass. This is something very special because on the market there were only two sizes of this glass and we created a third because my wife, Lindsay, check out episode 100, is an amazing person who can source things and make things come out of nowhere. If you ever go to a tasting and you want to be able to sample a lot of things, but you don't want to drink too much whiskey, you need one of these smaller glasses. Now, a lot of people think candles are just for women, but that's not true. Men like good smells too. And we've produced a line of masculine smelling candles for anybody out there that's interested in that. We've got leather and charcoal and tonka for you guys. Now, as you get more involved in the whiskey collecting game, you're gonna make friends and you guys are gonna trade samples and you need a beautiful solid wood storage case to keep them in because otherwise they're just gonna clutter up your shelves. We have two sizes, one for one ounce sample bottles and one for two ounce sample bottles. But if you really wanna step your whiskey game up, what you need is an American Whiskey Aroma Kit Bourbon Real Talk official. This has 36 separate scents inside of it that are going to help you develop your whiskey palette. You can sit down with a dram, break it down to its components, take your whiskey review level to the next step. This kit is used at two major Kentucky distilleries I can't disclose, but one of them has confirmed that they use this to train their sensory team. So if you want to take your whiskey game to the next level, you need to pick up one of these American Whiskey Aroma Kits. But if you didn't see anything that you liked here, that's fine. It's okay. We're just glad to educate you. We love to have you as a listener. You've got the uniform pieces, mm -hmm. right? And now you have charcoal that's ready to do its job. Yeah. Right? And you guys have um, these columns. You said they're 10 foot. That's... How far across are they? Do you know? Because they're we do. Big. We have three different sizes. It's uh, six six foot, six and a half foot, and seven and a half foot across. Right. So it's ten feet of charcoal. So it's they're probably about fourteen foot tall. Yeah. Yeah. And are they cypress or something? What's are they? They're are they wooden? Or are they stainless? steel? They are wooden on the outside, and they do have stainless steel liners. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so. You, you're loading this, this charcoal into these columns, mm -hmm. 10 feet high. Yep. And then what happens there? What happens after that? I will clarify, we do four burns for each of these vats to fill it up. So that's okay. a total of 16 of those rigs. Okay. So then... It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. So then we will, they will come through with a hopper behind a tractor and drop it down into the vat mm -hmm. until it is packed tightly in there. Mm -hmm. And then from there, that's where the distillery will actually take over. We have a distributor that goes in there that is a copper, and it's almost like a Christmas tree, a line that goes straight up and legs coming out the side. There's holes on the top of all those legs. Mm -hmm. And that's where we flow about a gallon and a half for each vat, and it distributes evenly over mm -hmm. that charcoal. Okay. 
And of the of the distillate. Of the distillate, yeah. yes. Um, so it's going in at 140 proof, but it'll take over 24 hours for it to even come out the bottom at 100 proof. Up to 100 proof, we're gonna send that to our heads and tails tanks. Okay. And what that is, is just pretty much a containment where we can send it back to the distillery to be redistilled. Uh-huh. So we don't wanna send a whole lot of low proof through there. Gotcha. So once it gets up to 100, 120, we're gonna swap that over to our production line. Okay. And that's what's actually going to then be put in the barrel. So this charcoal has to get wet. It does. And so how much distillate do you estimate that you lose just when you start a new vat of charcoal? Yeah. How much distillate do you think it takes to prepare that charcoal to do the filtering process? It takes, I'd say around 1500 proof gallons. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So it it is a lot, even though it's like a, a gallon and a half a minute, it's still an amazing amount to get it up to that proof. Right. Because remember, we're not, we're not, closing the bottom and letting it fill up. Right, it's dripping through. It's dripping through the whole time. It's never fully saturated to where uh, the charcoal is submerged. Right. So it takes a little more doing doing that way, for sure. And so distilleries operate typically off razor thin margins and it would be a very costly decision to decide that you were going to do this process because you Absolutely. end up using up a lot of valuable distillate um, to prepare this charcoal. Um, and along those lines, not everybody does 10 feet, six and a half feet across. Right. Right? That's what I've heard. I, I really, I'm, I'm not 100% because I'm just so immersed you're in so this one. <laughs> focus on Jack Daniels. Well, and, and that's been one of the controversial subjects, right? I, because it's like, okay, I want to call my whiskey Tennessee whiskey. I'm going to put it through a barrel of, of, of uh, charcoal, right? right? And is that producing the same result as if you put it through 10 feet and it takes 24 hours? Right. Probably not. Have you technically complied with the rules? And so if you, if you say anything about Jack Daniels, you can at least say that they are committed to their process. By far. Right. Something that we've carried on for over 150 years. You know, Jack insisted on this. And then after Prohibition, Lynn Motlow, his nephew, insisted on it again when he brought the distillery back up. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is something, like you said, is very costly. I mean, just one of those sticks is around two and a half, uh, $2.50, just right. one. And there's like 340 in each rick. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the math adds up really quick and very time-consuming, very space-consuming. Right. But it's something that we really believe in adds so much to the flavor that even though it is a subtractive process— there's such a stark difference in before and after. It is something that we will definitely always do. Well, I will tell you that I've had the opportunity to taste the distillate pre and post, and it is shocking. It is. So let's talk about what the charcoal is actually removing. So you've got your distillate, um, it's come off the still. If it had been in Kentucky, most of the time that would go um, for proofing down to whatever barrel entry proof is and then it's gonna be put into a barrel where it will age. You guys add this step, you're pouring the distillate through this this charcoal. What is it actually doing to the whiskey? So as it's filtering through, it does work as a filtration, removing some corn oils and a lot of those grainy notes. Mm-hmm. And you know, I kinda, I asked the same thing, what is kind of the chemistry of what's happening here? Mm-hmm. And it's a really, it's a very in-depth thing, and chemistry is not my background. Okay, yeah. But 
I will say, um, talking to Kevin Smith, you know, our microbiologist who knows all the sciences of in and outs of here, pH is one of the big things that okay. changes. Our whiskey coming off the still is around five and a half to six pH. Mm -hmm. Coming out the bottom of a vat, it's around seven to eight. So it's definitely becoming more basic as it comes through the filtration process. Mm -hmm. You know, talking about all the compounds and all that, you know, there's definitely one thing that's different from just going straight to the barrel. This is having a lot more interaction with oxygen. Mm -hmm. So it is gassing off a little bit as it goes to, you know, mm -hmm. different compounds are gonna gas off at different levels. So there's that as well. Mm -hmm. But um, for the chemistry part, you know, talking about that, as many compounds as there are that's in our whiskey, it's mm -hmm. really hard to narrow down exactly, exactly which ones it is. Right. You know, some even in small amounts are more aromatic than others in large amounts. Sure. I think the one thing, even if you can't put your finger on, myself can't put my finger on exactly what it is, mm -hmm we can agree that there is a stark difference. Yeah, that's true. And and one thing I will say is that I'm learning that one of the more important things that affects flavor with whiskey is pH. Um, I've, I've talked to a few chemical engineers recently and they talk about how over time, you know, the d dissolved CO2 inside the whiskey changes, which changes its pH. And pH affects the active state of the molecules that are inside the 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 solution, if you, I like to joke that whiskey's a solution. <laughs> Don't listen to your doctor. Whiskey is a solution uh, from a chemical standpoint. <laughs> and the uh, chemical reactions that can take place, right? You know, what aldehydes are going to stick out, what stuff can be affected by pH. Keep in mind that when this process was created, they had no idea about exactly. any of this stuff, no. right? They, they, they didn't know what isoamyl acetate was or isobutyl acetate or anything else. They were just like- That's it. A lot of the whiskey back then was like, sold on age. So do like, I do, does it taste better. good? Yeah, yep. I like this one better than this one. I'm gonna do exactly. this one, right? Yeah. And uh, to a certain extent, it's still that way today. Um, and at, at, as of today, the equipment that we have to break down the parts per, you know, hundreds of thousands of or whatever of different compounds is nowhere near as sophisticated as the human palate. So, right. um, you know, at the end of the day, you just have to taste it. Exactly. Right. So, so that's awesome. So the whiskey comes out. It's been filtered. Um, you're getting it back up to the 120 proof or so. You said. Um, do you know what the barrel entry proof is for Jack Daniels? 125. 125. Yep. Okay, yeah. so we've so got. So it will end up down in the cistern room at the 140. That's where, since we distill it, mm -hmm. the 100 to 120, 100 to 140, that that's gets just prepping it. Yeah. yeah. And then it'll go to the production line at 140. Then they will cut it down to 125. Jack is charcoal filtered twice? It is. It okay. is. So it goes through the same charcoal mellowing right off the steel, mm -hmm. and then after maturation, it is charcoal meld again. Right. Not through the same exact vats. This is actually, we don't want to strip all the colors and flavors out. Mm -hmm. So this is actually going through about a three foot filter. Oh, charcoal so filter. it's a separate charcoal filter after maturation? After maturation. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, for and some that's reason that's what I really thought. softens the Gentleman Jack for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so a lot of people will say Gentleman Jack is smooth, right? Yeah. Um, which is a, a kind of a catch-all term that usually means easy to drink. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's no rough edges to it because there's not. You're, it, you're, you're filtering out a lot of those things that can cause the sharper flavors. That's it. A right. lot of, I feel like the, um, the woods, the oaky flavors and all that, it really hits the tip of your tongue on the more sweeter things from the barrel, like the vanillas and caramels. Mm -hmm. It really hits sweet. Well, I, I mean, I would say, you know, let your, let your palate 
um, guide you in these things. I mean, it, it is interesting to get like uh, Jack Daniels um, number seven and try it next to a gentleman's jack and see what that extra filtering does. Um, if you get a chance to come here, I don't know, do you still let people taste the two distillates when you're on the tour? Is that not allowed anymore? No, but we do have in the uh, bottle shop, I believe we still have some of the before and before after. Before and after, yeah. yeah. And you get and a little sample of the charcoal so you can see the size and what it's really going through. Yeah, so if you ever get a chance to do that, that'll really help you to understand Absolutely. Uh, what, what the difference is. But at the end of the day, you're supposed to drink what you like, and Jack Daniels is, uh, if it's not number one, it's the number two selling whiskey worldwide, and it's for a reason. It is, And it's because you guys make an excellent product with, with, with great ingredients, and you follow the same processes of everybody else that's equally respected in the industry. And, I mean, they even test their grain before they offload it off of the, the oh, grain yeah, trucks and all that sure. stuff, make sure it's not infected with any bacteria or fungus and all that stuff. It is absolutely a world-class high quality product. I agree. <laughs> and I, I am so happy that you were here to meet with me today. Is there anything that you think that I left off about the Lincoln County process that we should cover? You know, to me, one of the most important things of Jack Daniels is the people that make it here. Mm. You know, the Darren and Tracy, our Rickyard working guys, you know, everybody here has such pride for what we do. Mm -hmm. You know, we almost forget how big it is, how worldwide it is. But there's, there's just so much pride that goes into making it. I feel like that's another thing that absolutely makes it what it is. Well, can I tell you a story? Yeah. So I didn't drink until I was about 28. And when I started drinking, I started collecting wine. And when I, I found out about whiskey and the you know, nuance of flavor between different producers and all that stuff, I realized, oh, you can enjoy whiskey the same way you do wine. But it's much more shareable. You know, because you can have a bottle open for years before you'd expect yeah. any changes in flavor. And that allows you to give little samples of things out. And you really can't do that with wine until Corbin was invented. And, um, and so I kind of switched over my allegiance. But when I did that, I found out that my little brother also liked the same whiskey that I drank. And that was Jack Daniels. And he had been in the military. And uh, we, we, my greatest memory of my brother was one night we went out. We went to dinner. We had drinks, and we went and watched the stupid movie Borat. <laughs> and I was a very inexperienced drinker, so back then, two Jack Daniels, and I was, I, yeah. I couldn't drive, right? Um, and so my brother was the driver. He's like, I don't know if I can take you home like this. You're, you're pretty loose. Took me to Waffle House, had, had a full-on midnight <laughs> Waffle House experience. Right. One, one of the greatest memories of my brother. And, um, <clears throat> and so, you know, fast forward, my brother, you know, finishes out his time in the military. He's honorably discharged, but he, he had an injury, um, and he came out badly addicted to painkillers, mm -hmm. and um, and he ended up taking his own life in 2014. My gosh! And um, and so Jack Daniels was kind of my connection point, not only to my passion for for whiskey, but it was also partially my connection point to my brother. And some of my fondest memories were formed around uh, time that I spent with him when we were drinking. And um, I came here to the distillery right after he died. And I did a tour. And when I, when I got done with the end of the tour, I'd ask a lot of questions. And the tour guide was, uh, I guess, intrigued that I was asking questions that were different than most people who go on the tour. And um, he, he said, hey, stick around until after everyone leaves. And I said, oh, okay. 
Yeah. Anytime someone says that, you're like, yeah, I'm, I don't know what's about <laughs> yeah. to happen, but it's Sounds awesome, cool. right? And so I told him that story, and I told him that my brother had died, you know, and it, it had been six months or eight months. It hadn't been long. And, um, and he made me a Tennessee Squire that day. Oh, my gosh. And so Jack Daniels has always been, a, had a special place in my heart. Um, not only because it was my entry into whiskey, it's been my connection point with my brother, but the kindness that the brand has shown me. So when you talk about the people that work here and the difference that it makes in your understanding of the product to come here and to experience that, um, it's, it, it's, it's hard not to, to love a company yeah. that, that plays that role in people's lives. And I know that you play that role in many people's lives um, and many people have that connection point. So I wanna thank you for that as well. Uh, but my channel is about connecting people through bourbon. And part yeah. of the reason why I started this channel was because after my brother's death, I realized, you know, there's people all around us that feel disconnected. They don't know they're loved, even though they are. Right. And whiskey has a tendency to bring people into your life. That it'd be hard to feel that way if, yeah. if, you, if you were in the community and you're connected. All the sharing and caring that goes on. Definitely a camaraderie around drinking whiskey. And so I decided to start this channel um, partially to help people feel that connection. And I figured, you know, I don't have to connect people with each other. I can just connect people to the whiskey and the whiskey will do the rest of the work. Yeah. Um, and I also, you know, observed a lot of people being hateful to each other online and things like that. And, yeah. and, and I don't like that. But it dawned on me one day that if you can hate a stranger online, it's just as easy for me to love them. Yeah. Right? And so I end all of my podcasts with the same sign off. And, and that's this. If you woke up this morning and you were unsure whether or not anyone loved you, just know that I love you. And I'll see you next time on Bourbon Real Talk. I wish I we could cheers. That. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Maybe that some is nuts. beautiful, man. <laughs> that is awesome. Twenty-three years, so yeah. Twenty-three years married. So. Oh yeah, yeah. So you know, I I can talk a little trash. I don't know. A little. I'm sure she'll deal it right back though. Oh yeah, yeah. She <laughs> takes no crap uh, from anyone, honestly. Uh, she's kind of me. Just kidding. She's, you are yeah. on camera, so be, be careful. <laughs> no. Put it. Well, we'll throw it in the outtakes. <laughs> give me. A, you don't have a name tag on. Uh, give me your name again. Lexi. Lexi Phillips. Phillips, and you're the assistant master distiller. Assistant distiller. Lexi. Lexi Phillips. Phillips. Randy. Sullivan. Sullivan. Yeah. But you're not going to have to say my name. <sighs> I can say thanks, Randy. Yeah. Hey, well, Randy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll work it out. We'll find, we'll find a way to integrate it. <laughs>